Cape Talk. Plan B with Rebecca Davis. And there is an unwritten rule amongst people who share a radio studio that what happens off mic stays off mic, that what you say while the news <laughs> or a commercial bracket is playing doesn't get shared with the audience once the microphones are back on. But I'm going to break that rule and mention that Rebecca shared... Well, this I knew because other people had shared it with me, that William Smith, he of the maths education, was awarded the Order of the Baobab in silver for his contribution to the teaching and demystification of mathematics (laughs) and science. And that was triggering for you, poor Rebecca. I just remember close-ups of his vast fleshy face clutching one of those pens that you use to write on overhead projectors. Nothing about the scene is filling me with warmth, but I do know a lot of people who attribute their matric passes almost exclusively to William Smith. So if anything, you should have got the top order, Ikamanga. Ikamanga will bust for that man. (laughs) Didn't demystify much for you. (laughs) (laughs) He did not. Not his fault, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, here's an extraordinary contribution that he has made to maths education. Uh, What are we talking about this afternoon, Ms. Davis? We are talking, first of all, about, yeah, I was interested to to see that bit on Daily Maverick uh, today, that businesses, by and large, not giving money to political parties anymore. Yes, I was quite stunned by this. So Tim Cohen has a piece on Daily Maverick in which he has canvassed a number of the top corporates, the biggest ones in South Africa, and found that, yep, in general, they have stopped making donations to political parties across the board. One exception is MTN, which gives donations to political parties in accordance with their size in parliament, basically, to a total value, the pot of 25 million rand. But for Anglo-Americans, stopped. ABSA has stopped. Sassel has stopped. Nedbank has stopped. And obviously, one of the interesting questions is why and why now? John, what's your your take on that? Because many of these companies, such as Anglo-American, did used to give very generously to political parties. That the political party, the political project is so tainted and that mm. um, whereas once it might have been seen as supporting democracy, mm. it's now seen as underpinning corruption and malfeasance. I mean, that's a very depressing thought in and of itself, isn't it? Um, I think that is partly it. I think it is to do with the state capture allegations coming out in recent years, the involvement of firms like McKinsey, uh, Deloitte and Bosasa recently, I think there is a sense that many corporates would be reluctant to be revealed to be giving large d- donations to political parties. And the point is, they're now more likely than ever to be revealed in that due to the, the well, who knows how imminent, but the Political Party Funding Act, which will be coming into play at some point in the next two years, in which will force political parties to disclose donations of above 100k. So we'll know which companies are giving money. And I suppose, as you said, there is a kind of general distaste at the moment for seeming <laughs> seeming to be associated with any political party, which I do think is really a kind of statement of where we're at yeah. politically. I'm, 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 in, I'm interested by the, the formula that MTN uses, because it's also the formula mm. that government uses. The bigger you are, the more money you get. Mm. And there's an argument for that, because the bigger you are, uh, the bigger is the engine that needs to be sustained and fueled and so on. But there is, I think, quite a, a cogent counter argument, which is that political success has quite a lot to do with money. Mm. And how are you ever going to grow if the already big, the historically advantaged big continues to get more money, quite a lot more money than you do as the, you know, 
the small with potential for good growth. Yeah, I would agree. I think MTN's just propping up the status quo there. But it's also hard to imagine a system that they could use to to distribute money fairly other than literally equal and then which parties. They can't give to 40 political parties contesting the elections. But I'm interested in what the impact of this will be, John, because while intuitively I like the idea that corporates have stopped giving big money to to political parties, and I think the American example is instructive where there is effectively no limit to what corporations can donate, and we've seen the result that money almost always determines the results of elections in America in something like over 90% of cases. In over 90% of cases, the individual who raises the most money wins, and I think that is you know, a precedent that we should not be allowing in South Africa. But what America has that we don't have, John, is a culture where lots of people give small individual donations mm. to, to particular candidates who tickle their fancy. We don't have that for two reasons. One is that we don't have individual candidates in that way. We have parties. But second of all, I mean, I don't know anyone of you know middle class or below means who makes small donations to political parties. It's something I only exclus- uh, associate with the very rich. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I certainly don't. I mean, there there are certain people who I suppose by by default, that's the wrong word, but they belong to a political party and belonging to the political party um, carries with it a 10 rand a month or a 20 month, 20 rand a month sure. membership fee. Sure. But that only in that sense. That, that That would be different. So my fear basically is that we're going to end up with political parties being more desperate for money and then relying on rich individuals rather than corporates. And I'm talking about the likes of the EFF's benefactor, Adriana Mazzotti, for instance, mm. the tobacco smuggler. Because who else are you going to turn to for the kind of financial heft that corporates once provided? Staggeringly, the ANC's 2016 campaigns, that was just local government, supposedly cost them one billion rand, more than a billion rand, which is more than everyone else spent together. So there's also, you know, there's an argument to be made that good that everyone has to spend less on campaigns because this is ridiculous. I mean, it's just money wasted. It really is. But my fear is that politicians who need money are dangerous politicians for the rest of us. Couldn't agree more. And then to the um, the photographs of the, what, 20? Le- 20 <laughs> people are in the running for Mr. South Africa. Photographs which have now been withdrawn from the Mr. South Africa social media accounts because of the very unkind comments that were made. And I, I know I shouldn't, <laughs> Rebecca, I shouldn't, but until you told me about this, I was blissfully unaware of it, and I clicked on this poster with their 20 and, faces. And... and <sighs> Mr. South Africa, Miss South Africa, Mrs. South Africa, Mr. Gay South Africa, Ms. Gay South Africa. There is, there is deeply planted in our perception an idea that this has to do with looks, mm. the way you present mm. yourself in the world. Mm. And if that is the case with Mr. South Africa, then they scraped off the pavement the first 20 faces they could <laughs> find and put them into the Misesse <laughs> finals. So this is the general consensus of people looking at the 20 finalists for Mr. South Africa, that I mean, there have been very unkind comments, John, that they resemble a crime watch. There's a general aura of criminality, people have suggested, which I think is due to the fact they've taken very poor quality photographs, which look like kind of mugshots, that's why. But I think the best we can say is that they are average-looking 
gentlemen. They really are. And, you know, there's part of me that is like, wouldn't that be fantastic if we appointed Mr. South Africa as literally the most average-looking person in the country? I mean, that would be truly representative then of South African manhood. What a great idea. But what grates me, John, and many other women, is when you look at Miss South Africa. Because those 20 finalists, my good man, are not average. They do not represent the full average mediocre spectrum of South African women. They are all conforming to a type which is generally slim and beautiful, you know, aesthetically or inspiring their faces. So when this all went down, people were naturally quite stunned at the, the mediocrity of the <laughs> visages on display I from wonder, these men. I wonder what these poor men think when they look in I'm, the mirror or I, what they thought up until today. I, I have no idea. I mean, I don't know about you, John, but previously the only person I've ever associated with Mr. South Africa is Michael Moll. The chap who's on top, top billing, is he still there? The guy who used to be a doctor. I mean, he's a lovely looking man and a medical doctor. God bless. I don't know anything about these men. But the point is, not only are the Miss South Africa candidates stunningly beautiful, but also in order to enter Miss South Africa, even in this year of our Lord, 2019, you cannot be married. You must never have had a marriage annulled. You cannot be engaged. You must never have been pregnant. You cannot have given birth. You must never have any visible tattoos. These are the real conditions for entering. Now, let me quote what the organizer of Mr. South Africa said about the criteria for entering that particular pageant. Quote, all we ask is dedication to a better SA and a good heart. We never said you need to be sexy. Dedication to a better South Africa and a good heart. John, why are you not in that lineup? Why is George not in that lineup? I suspect because my heart is considered not good enough. I think that is possibly correct. But if, if suddenly we are now handing out these national titles purely on the basis of good intentions, then I want the next Miss South Africa to be some plus-sized activist thank you very much, rather than a cookie-cutter model. Who's probably a nuclear physicist in her spare time. <laughs> I mean, possibly. Yeah. Okie dokie. And then let's let's go from there, segue naturally into star signs, because I'm, I'm sure most of the Miss South Africa contestants are convinced mm. that the sign under which they were born has something to do with their good fortune. Well, I'm interested. You told me you were a Pisces, John. I did. That, that's because I am. And we'll discuss that briefly. Let me sketch the context. The context here is that apparently it's becoming a thing in North America and perhaps even in parts of Europe where people are declining housemates and potential sexual partners, romantic partners on the basis of their star sign. So you'll see in Tinder ads or whatever, no Virgos, no Geminis, I won't accept a Libra, no thank you. Um, and the question was whether this is legal. Apparently, it's sort of not legal, hard to prove, because the point is you can't change your star sign because you're born under the moon of that particular era or whatever it is. But I was interested to hear that you were you were Pisces, John. Which this is I the believe, bit I'm not looking forward to. No, Pisces, I believe, are, according to the Internet, creative, compassionate, intuitive, deep, emotional, all the things of ever connected with you. Also, hard to figure out, indecisive, competitive, unenthusiastic, and lethargic. That is a really bad combination. Lethargic, but competitive. Indecisive, unenthusiastic. You lose all the competitions. <laughs> You're very competitive, and you lose everything. Anyway, I thought you might like to know that if you were set considering setting similar restrictions for a housemate, you should be banning Aries, Leo, and Libra, because you cannot get on with those, John. And in a stunning plot twist, I myself are an Aries. And I concur, John, that we perhaps would not be the best best housemates, though in life I find us completely compatible. <laughs> I think we should be Mr. and Ms. South Africa. <laughs>
Thank you very much, Rebecca Davis. She's back with us on Monday afternoon. We're doing health. Are we? We're doing health. We're doing what the major political parties have to say about health in their election manifestos, not just the majors, but some of the regionally important minors. That is on Monday afternoon at 20 past five.